What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast, episode 53 today. This episode is going to be a very special one. We're doing our second ever NFL mock draft here on the Mike and Dave Podcast. We did one last year. We thought that was the best way of us or for us to do a draft preview. So we're running it back and doing it again. Very excited about it. I've got the first pick, and then we're going to alternate back and forth, one, two, three, four, et cetera. And we will be approaching this from our own perspective of who we think the best players are, who we think fits each team the best, and then making the best decision that we can uh, for each team We won't be doing any trades uh, because that's just too complicated. And we also aren't necessarily going to choose based on what we think teams will actually do. We're going to just look at it like we really like these prospects. We look at these teams and we look at needs and then we try to marry need with value. One thing that I, I guess we both noticed when we were listening back to last year's version that was episode 27 if you want to go back and listen to it was i think the measurement for how well this goes isn't oh did we predict every single pick player for player correctly no this should give you an idea of like what the teams need how good the players are what directions the play uh the teams should be going and that's what we want to sort of set you up for going into the draft we're only going to do the first round we're not going to get into round seven i mean besides at that point just take your flyers and move on but the first round of the nfl draft will be thursday the 27th so six days after this episode releases and i guess one more thing we are recording this on tuesday april 19th or sorry We are recording this on Tuesday, April 18th. So if a trade happens on Wednesday or Thursday or something, don't sue us. You know, like we're doing our best at the time that we're recording. We're also recording this a week early to make sure that this gets out before the NFL draft actually starts. So you're welcome. But also, I think if you don't already know, The NFL Draft is one of our favorite events in the sports calendar. We absolutely love talking about prospects and looking at teams and matching them to or matching them with each other. So this should be a lot of fun. We aren't going to be doing any of our other normal segments today, as you might have guessed by now. So apologies for anyone who wanted the hot seat or a fun fact or anything, but We're just going to do the mock draft today, picks 1 through 31, and see how it goes. So, I guess we'll just cut right to the chase then. Dave, at this moment, you are now the Panthers GM. Pick number one. You're uh, letting the time tick all the way down, because they always do for some stupid reason. As if they don't go into the draft knowing what they're doing first overall. Whatever. Uh, Rant aside. Got the number one pick. 
You're the Panthers. Who are you taking? Well, since I'm now the Panthers GM, I can tell you that the NFL actually called me up and said, hey, just to build the suspense, we're going to need you to let the clock run all the way down before you make your pick. So that's that's kind of the behind the scenes of what actually happens. Uh, they're just trying to build the suspense, even though we've had months and months and months to prepare for this to know who we're going to pick. And it's not like we were ever going to trade this pick either. So I guess I should also say that since Dave is now the uh, the Panthers GM, the Panthers just got better. I feel like that'll be the case for several of these teams. Like I'll say the same thing about myself when I get the Texans pick. Well, I mean, unnecessary shade at Scott Fritterer. I mean, not that like he's done anything necessarily, but I think he's only been the GM for like two years or something. Um, regardless, yep. Panthers GM, number one overall. And really, this is between two players. The Panthers need a quarterback. Is it going to be Bryce Young or is it going to be CJ Stroud? For me, they are by far and away the top two quarterbacks in this draft. And honestly, I think they're two really, really high level prospects. Um, Bryce Young, of course, has the questions about his size that has been well documented almost too well-documented, I think, at this point. C.J. Stroud, very accurate, played in arguably the best setup that you could have in college football if you're a quarterback um, in terms of production. Um, Great offensive line, great receivers. And Bryce Young, obviously, like playing at Alabama, he's not playing with any slouches either. So they definitely are coming from... uh, places where they've won, places where they uh, have gotten a lot of good coaching. However, Bryce Young comes from a pro-style offense at Alabama. He also has been a winner his whole career. He won the Heisman Trophy. He led them to a championship. And regardless of the size concerns, which I understand are an issue, The thing that I feel comfortable with with Bryce Young is his pocket presence and his his ability to shift around in the pocket and not get hit as much. Um, And it's one of those things where I know that the NFL is tougher than college and everybody's a pro and um, it's just a different type of environment. But the guys in college are are plenty big enough as well. (laughs) Like, it's not like, we're going to the NFL and guys are suddenly four inches taller. Like he was able to see over his, his offensive lineman in Alabama, just fine. He was able to distinguish coverages, um, make the right reads, put the ball in the hands of his playmakers very well in college. And I think that he's going to be, or he should be the number one selection. And I, I love CJ Stroud too. Don't get me wrong. Um, this is like a 51-49 type of thing. I don't think you could really go wrong either way. Because, um, like I said, Stroud, he has great accuracy. I loved what I saw from him against Georgia. I thought if he if he could just use his mobility more, then he's going to be even more dynamic. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with Bryce Young because I think he also just has that it factor. He has that 
um, whatever you want to call it that makes him different um, and that makes him stand out. So I'm going to go with Bryce Young at number one overall. Yeah, I mean, you said at the beginning it's it's between two quarterbacks, and yeah, I think it's close. And this is the case not every year, but uh, a decent amount of time where there are two guys and we are like, okay, pretty sure it's going to go one and two in one order or the other. Which player does one team prefer? And yeah, I think it is, like you said, 51-49. I think it's close, right? Now, I also think that the Panthers are going to go Bryce Young. That said, I personally prefer CJ Stroud, but I'm also at that 51-49. Like, that's incredibly tough for me. What I'm looking at, the two um, consecutive losses to Michigan (laughs) are a joy for me and kind of tough for him. However, that game against Georgia that they almost beat, or that they almost won, where he threw for 350-ish yards, four touchdowns, no picks, uh, I got to see him elevate his game in one of the toughest games that he's ever played on one of the biggest stages. And, I mean, I don't dive too much into the height concerns on Bryce Young either. But insofar as a GM would, CJ Stroud doesn't have those concerns, I guess. Uh, whoever was whoever you were going to pick, I was going to pick the opposite at number two. So it naturally progresses that CJ Stroud is going number two to Texans. Uh, I want to clarify one thing. I'm not going to spoil the player. I don't have CJ Stroud as the best available player at number two. But if you're picking second, you have a chance to get potentially your quarterback of the future, you go for it. That value, you have to address it. You have to do it. So you got to go quarterback one and two, C.J. Stroud, two to the Texans. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, Davis Mills is just not the guy. You know, It would have been nice if you were the Texans and you drafted him later in the draft and he ended up working out and becoming a steal that just, yeah, I think he showed his true colors last season. Like he's just not your like frontline starter that you want. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. I can potentially see a world where the Texans say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going with Will Anderson. D'Amico Ryan's their new head coach. Hopefully he lasts for a while because the Texans really have a quick trigger there. Um, but uh, D'Amico Ryans could potentially go with like, I want to build in the trenches first. I want to build on defense and I want to get my guy, Will Anderson. Uh, so I could def- I could potentially see that happening, but CJ Stroud, I think is too good to turn down and the value of quarterbacks trumps all other positions. So it makes sense. Speaking of Will Anderson, number three, we have the Cardinals pick. And I think it's kind of gone one of two ways in mock drafts or in you know pre-draft coverage. Either the Cardinals draft Will Anderson or they trade the pick. So we're not doing trades in this mock draft, but as the Cardinals GM, I can tell you right now, I am fielding any and all offers for this pick because I'm looking at my roster and I'm thinking, man, 
this <laughs> this roster is barren. <laughs> like we do not have, especially if you know. I don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins, but especially if he leaves, then you're really like scraping the bottom of the barrel with a lot of these guys. A lot of replacement level types of dudes. What you really need is you need a boost to the roster in multiple areas. And if you are able to trade this number three pick to a team like the Titans um, or a team like the Colts or whoever, then you're going to be able to get more of these assets to be able to hopefully improve your team in multiple areas instead of just taking the one superstar player, which there's also an argument for there too, because Will Anderson is a top tier pass rusher. Um, He's the type of guy who you really hope that if your team's not that great, that you end up landing in one of these top three, four picks so you can draft a guy like this. I would have loved if the Falcons had sucked a little bit more and could have gotten Will Anderson. He's exactly the kind of pass rusher that we're like dying out or crying out for, uh, for forever really but yeah i think will anderson is a special talent his 2021 was a lot more special than his 2022 but still showed the ability to pressure the quarterback consistently to get in the backfield decent run defender as well um and he's he's a difference maker on the defensive line and so i think for the cardinals since we're not doing trades um i think will anderson is the best available and he makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, J.J. Watt retires. You had Chandler Jones and he's no longer there. Just draft their their replacement in Will Anderson so you get another really special talent at edge rusher. Not only is Will Anderson the best available, I think at the beginning of the draft, Will Anderson is the best available. Maybe that's controversial, but in my mind, he's that special. One of my uh, hopes for the draft unreasonable hope but hope nonetheless is that the falcons pull off a uh, julio jones-esque type of trade wherein we trade up to three and snag will anderson that's like the top level of the falcons draft going well in my mind it probably won't happen but whatever uh moving on to the colts noise has been made about the colts search for a quarterback and i think they've uh They've done it. They've found it. Gardner Minshew. He is the answer. He will be their longtime starter. Of course, I'm just kidding. I think the Colts and the rest of the league are ready for this whole like, oh, let's get this old quarterback and see if it works out. Let's get this old quarterback. Let's get Carson. What? You know, like, I think we're all ready for that to be over. Just draft a quarterback, get it over with. We've gone through Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And there is, I think, a pretty big dip from two to three there i think the consensus is the next two up are will levis and anthony richardson anthony richardson has this crazy high ceiling uh he get he also has bust potential written all over him uh will levis kind of the opposite higher floor uh week one starter ready we'll see how good he can possibly be though uh he makes a lot of mistakes but the talent is there and I'm just looking at the Colts' track record here uh, over the last three, four seasons. They want to bring in a guy that can start week one. 
I don't think they want to bring in a project Anthony Richardson to sit behind Gardner Minshew or to sign another uh, veteran quarterback to mentor Gardner Minshew or sorry, uh, to mentor Anthony Richardson for a season. I think they're just ready to like draft the quarterback, hit the ground running. I think they're going to do that with Will Levis out of Kentucky. Concerns noted. Uh, hopefully they can, you know, coach the mistakes out of him and capitalize on that talent that he does have. He will need to be careful with some of the hits that he was taking in college, as well as some of the decisions he was making. But he was asked to do a lot for that Kentucky team. If we can kind of temper expectations, coach him well, I think he has a shot, a bigger shot than some people give him credit for, to be a good NFL quarterback for years to come. It's just, do I trust the Colts to capitalize on it? Not a ton, but I think it is the safest pick for them here. Mm-hmm. You know what, as you were talking, what comp I just made for Will Levis? Daniel Jones. Love that. Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have as great of an arm, but he's the same type of guy to where he's mobile, but takes too many hits. He is, you know, he's definitely improved now for sure. But when he came into the league, not the best decision maker, you know, fumbling way too often, uh, turnovers, you know, all that. Uh, And he's finally put it together and become a quality starting quarterback. I think Will Levis could potentially follow a similar path. The Colts don't have the best skill position players or offensive line anymore, which is crazy to say because they just had a great offensive line like two years ago. I don't know what happened last year. So in my mind, it's kind of similar to the situation at Kentucky where Michael Pittman's not bad. Um, He's quarterback friendly. They still have Quentin Nelson, but like that line struggled majorly last year. The receiver room isn't nearly as strong as it has been in the past. Maybe they also try to draft another receiver to end this draft. We'll see. Um, because there are plenty of receivers to choose from. There are, for sure. So we'll see um, what they end up deciding to do. But um, that's Will Levis at number four. So number and five. If I, can just, if I can just add one sentence about Will Levis to just sort of sum up sure. where I'm coming from with him. There are plenty and plenty of throws that Will Levis should not have made, and I hear you but there isn't really a throw that Will Levis can't make. And I think that's what you draft for here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. So moving on to number five, the Seattle Seahawks. And interestingly enough, they found their quarterback of the at least near future last year. He was on their roster all all along in Geno Smith. What a great story Geno was. I mean unbelievable right like pro bowler deservedly so led the league in uh completion percentage was really really like finally showed what he can do and that sets them up to where they don't need to draft a quarterback here they can draft best available and also a position of need and this is more controversial than it should have been a couple months ago, but Jalen Carter just had to go and put himself in a bad situation. 
And then his response to that situation has not been ideal. Weighing in too heavy, not being able to finish his drills, like seemingly thinking like, nah, I'm good. Um, not meeting with anybody outside the top 10 of the draft, all of that. It just, those are a whole bunch of yellow flags to me. However, the talent is undeniable for Jalen Carter. Just another one of those Georgia defenders who is disruptive, who is one of those guys like at defensive tackle we've seen in the NFL, obviously with Aaron Donald, but we've seen it in other places too, DeForest Buckner, Grady Jarrett, um, where an internal Vita Vea, um, an inside rusher is almost even more valuable than an edge rusher because they're coming from the inside. It's a lot harder to escape from that if the pressure's coming right up in your face. And so somebody like Jalen Carter, also, this is the exact type of player that the Seahawks love. They love drafting defensive linemen in the first round. They love building through the trenches. And the fact that Jalen Carter is here at number five, when originally I wouldn't have been surprised if he was drafted uh, third by the Cardinals. I think he's just slipped just a little bit because of those yellow flags, but the Seahawks have never really also been that afraid of guys with questionable off-field stuff. So I I have Jalen Carter going to the Seahawks at number five. That saves me the trouble of picking him with the team that I planned on having ignore his uh, character concerns. But it was funny. I was like, as I was doing my mock draft in anticipation of this, I was just thinking like, you know, the Seahawks wouldn't be a bad spot for him. So cool. I'm glad we're in sync as always. That leaves me to the Lions. Or hang on. That brings me to the Lions. My, uh, I guess, my birth town team. So there are two positional needs here based on value that stood out to me and and i want to talk about them both briefly and then i'll say which direction i'm actually going my first thought was oh they traded jeff akuda former top five pick uh from a couple years ago at corner to the falcons for a fifth rounder they're giving up on him paving the way to pick a corner here. They'll take the best corner on the board, right? Then they like really quickly snatched up Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, both of whom are, uh, while not like shut down corners of the future, are at the very least like viable starters for now. So that threw a little bit of a wrench in my uh, in my plan for them to just pick a corner at, at six. What else might they want to do? I'm looking at Dan Campbell, the the rough culture setter who had no hesitation taking Aiden Hutchinson second overall last year, nor should he have. I mean, he's the coach, but still, like, the coach works with the GM here. Uh, I look at the culture they're building. I look at the way Aiden Hutchinson could pair with another edge rusher to then either later in this draft or next year, start addressing that secondary such that 
the front line sets up the secondary to be successful. And that's the direction I actually want to go with this pick. As much as I would love to see the Lions grab one of the top two corners in this draft, I think Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech is too good, too dreamworthy to pair with Aiden Hutchinson to ignore. Imagine that pass rush coming at you uh, for the for years to come. Like, we, we've got to go another edge rusher here. Because um, it's not one edge rusher that just like, oh, you just throw him on the line, you're good to go. You pair him with a partner, either on the interior or opposite edge. And, I mean, it's like the opposite of what we say about the Falcons, right? How many years in a row have we complained? Like, you know, A.J. Terrell can cover guys all he wants, but, like, he can't do it forever, and we have no pressure getting there. The Lions would set up the opposite scenario for themselves where – they don't need their corners to be as good right away if the pass rush is getting there. Hence, I feel edge rush is the need here, or the best fit rather, and Tyree Wilson is the best of those players on the board. Yeah, that seems like a very Lions pick, especially with this current regime that they have in the front office and uh, in their coach and Dan Campbell. Uh, I definitely could see them going that direction as well. Now I have the Raiders at number seven who signed Jimmy Garoppolo in the off season. They retained Josh Jacobs as well. And this is one of those teams that uh, I think that they think that they're closer to contention than maybe I think that they do. Um, or I think that they are. So it's one of those things where, like Anthony Richardson's still up for grabs. He seems like a very Raiders pick, if I'm being honest. Um, the next Jamarcus Russell. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at the Raiders secondary, which the Raiders defense in general has been absolutely atrocious for years and years. Uh, Max Crosby is a good pass rusher. That's really all there is to be said about their defense, uh, if I'm being honest. So I'm looking at also who I have here on the board. And there are a few options, um, especially at corner. Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., um, Witherspoon out of Illinois. Like I like all three of these guys. I think they could go corner. I also was potentially looking at offensive line for them as well at Peter Skaronsky, but I think when you go Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, um, he's got really good size, also tested really well at the combine and was able to turn his production up a notch this past season. And it's one of those things where uh, I could see them going any number of directions because the Raiders are one of those teams where like, who knows? I think it makes sense to go ahead and go ahead and get yourself a lockdown corner who can be your number one guy (laughs) immediately um, and start working on that defense because it doesn't matter how good you think your, your offense might be. Your defense has been terrible for years. You got to start addressing it. And uh, Cleveland Farrell didn't work for you a few years ago when you tried to do that. So try again with Christian Gonzalez. 
have to say I was dying laughing when you brought up Jamarcus Russell. Uh, yeah, Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr. These three corners are all fantastic, but I I agree. I think Christian Gonzalez is the best available here, and I do I like that pick for the Raiders. Um, Falcons. We're giving him an edge rusher. Let me uh, bury the lead. Now, I will say, in I don't know how many mock drafts I've looked at. It's got to be like 30, 40. You know, it's, it, it sure seems like a lot. And the name that I see for the Falcons the most is Miles Murphy out of Clemson. However, there is one edge rusher who I have a good feeling about. Uh, I Not that I don't have a good feeling about Miles Murphy. I would be okay with that pick. Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I like his tools. I like... I like the skill set that he brings. I like the versatility. I like him in pursuit. Uh, I like where he could line up on our defensive line. Now, I don't know what the Falcons are going to do given their current defensive line. I don't know how much, like, I don't know where they want to, or I don't know where they envision Arnold Ebicady fitting in with drafting another edge rusher plus the defensive line that we already have, plus the, or, you know, that's kind of overselling it, a.k.a. Grady Jarrett, plus the addition of Calais Campbell, David Onyemata. But Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy, I'm going Van Ness, but either of them are available. You have a chance to get yourself a really mm, enticing edge rusher for the future. I think you go for it. As much as I would love to add another one of those corners to pair with A.J. Terrell, it's like I was saying with the Lions. You have to set up a pass rush first. And so I'm going to go Lucas Van Ness here. I think he he's the higher upside guy out of those two. Miles Murphy is more of the like high floor, lower ceiling. Van Ness is the opposite. Uh, but I'm glad that you gave us an edge rusher. I was wondering if Tyree, if you would like have Tyree Wilson fall. Um, but yeah, I think... We need more edge rushers, please. Uh, and so I'm glad that you went with one for the Falcons. I wouldn't have been mad at another one of the corners either. Uh, I like Joey Porter Jr. a lot. I think he would fit really well with what we're trying to do. But yeah, I think edge rush makes a lot of sense. Since you mentioned Tyree Wilson falling to us, that is the player on draft night where I'm reasonably like crossing my fingers. You know, Will Anderson's not falling to eight, and we're probably not tra- trading up to three for him. Tyree Wilson could conceivably fall to eight, and that's what I want to happen most realistically. But I couldn't have the Lions pass on him in in my mind. Mm-hmm, for sure. So now I'm at number nine. The Bears. And they, they've they come out and they've said, we believe in Justin Fields. We're not looking at a quarterback. Based on Fields' performance last season, we're going to stick with him and we're going to build around him. Well, what does that look like? I can tell you pretty simply. It either looks like one of two things. It looks like A, 
finally getting him a half-decent receiver. Because, boy, he was struggling last year with those with that depth chart being as thin as it was. Or, B, he needs to get an upgraded offensive line because who they have right now is not cutting it. Luckily for the Bears, they have their pick of any offensive lineman or any receiver in this class based on this mock draft. So, in my mind, that makes it a lot harder for me <laughs> because um, <laughs> now I have all these guys to choose from. And really, who I'm looking at, um, I think the best receiver in this class is Jackson Smith and Jigba. I've, he's not the same player at all, but he's giving me Jamar Chase vibes in that Chase had an amazing, absolutely unbelievable season for LSU, then sat out the next year. And it's like everybody kind of forgot how incredible he was. Similar thing here where Smith and Jigba only played like 40-something snaps the whole season. He had that lingering injury. And I think part of that too may have been like ta- like taking it easy um, and trying to not re-injure it again and make it worse when he knew that he'd be up there come draft time. Um, so I'll, either him or I'm looking at, like I mentioned before, Peter Skaronsky. Um, I'm looking at Paris Johnson Jr., Darnell Wright from Tennessee has really risen up boards um, lately. So it's it's kind of tough. I think I'm honestly between Skaronsky and Smith and Jigba because on one hand, he like we need to get Justin Fields a receiver. However, I feel like there are still going to be pretty good receivers available in round two and the offensive linemen drop off pretty significantly after like the top five or six. So I think I'm going to go offensive line. I'm going to go Peter Skaronsky. Um Scouts are torn between whether or not he's going to be a tackle or a guard at the NFL level because, you know, the length of your arms is so crucially important to your success as an offensive lineman. I'm saying that like half sarcastically. Uh, but it could be one of those things where he moves inside the guard and immediately becomes an all pro type of guy, or at least a pro bowler. And even at tackle, I'm sure he could still do a great job there if they need him to. So I think it's one of those things where regardless you get, you bring Skaronsky in and you play him wherever you play him, but I think he's going to be a real quality player and it's going to help Justin Fields a lot uh, protecting him. So he doesn't have to scramble for his life quite as much. I agree with everything you said. I'll keep my response short. Uh, I would love to see the Bears go offensive line here, and in my mind, Peter Skaronsky is best available. Like, don't overthink that one. Uh, at ten, we have the Eagles. For what it's worth, had you not at five, this is where I was going to put Jalen Carter. <laughs> they love Georgia defensive players. Uh, they have veteran leadership, uh, and uh, Howie Roseman loves pursuing a deal. It's <laughs> So I just wanted to throw that out there. That was the sale I was prepared to make. So because I don't have to sell that, I'm looking at their needs. And for a team that went to the Super Bowl, there are quite a few that that could be addressed uh, or would be nice to address. 
they did lose CJ Gardner Johnson. But at this point, I'm probably just going to go best available straight up. And to me, the best available player is Devon Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois. I think you build up that secondary even more. Uh, You set yourself up for future success there. And to me, it's that easy. Now, that said, with the assumption that Jalen Carter gets drafted before here, this would be a pick that I wouldn't be too surprised to see get traded. Uh, move down just a little bit because I think a player that fits the Eagles' needs but doesn't necessarily justify the 10th pick uh, could be Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama, just to throw his name out there. But um, with a no-trade mock that we're doing, I am going to go Devon Witherspoon here. Well, we'll see if he gets that far. Because he very well might. The Eagles pick again at 30. So he could very well be there when it comes time for the Eagles to pick again. So I'll just put that out there. But yeah, I think Witherspoon, it makes a lot of sense. He's a great corner. Um, And it's one of those things where like the Eagles are almost, that makes their cornerback room almost too good at this point. Like, <laughs> This is starting to get a little unfair here. I mean, at one point in the offseason, it looked like Darius Slay was potentially going to go elsewhere. And then he just ended up resigning with them. James Bradbury also resigned. And you put Devon Witherspoon in there as well. Like, all of a sudden, that's lo- I mean, that's serious lockdown <laughs> um, secondary. So. And also Darius Slay is getting older as well. So this is also kind of looking towards the future when Slay isn't there anymore. You still have a guy in Witherspoon who can get the job done. So, all right. Number 11, the Tennessee Titans. I got to say, I wasn't entirely sure if this was going to happen, but it has. Somehow the Titans... Sitting put at number 11 can draft Anthony Richardson. I think at this point, you're out of the top 10. Anthony Richardson, I mean, I know he went to Florida, and I'm trying to not let that cloud my judgment. I can understand the appeal. I mean, it's it's hard to deny the physical tools his like his speed his stature his arm strength uh apparently he he interviewed really well with a lot of teams so it it seems like if you're if you're going to pick a single like raw prospect uh to try to develop and and turn into a a really good player you would pick Anthony Richardson i think the titans are in that or at that point now where they're not quite able to compete at this point. Um it is kind of difficult because you got Ryan like they just drafted Malik Willis last year. 
we saw him play a little bit in the regular season. He looked completely lost. Uh, like he was not ready for prime time. And fair enough. Um, it was his first season and some guys, they need longer. But this kind of signals like, sorry, Malik, we're going with an upgraded version of you <laughs> pretty much. Um, so that is kind of tough. But also, you can learn under Ryan Tannehill, you don't have to be the starter right away, which is key for Anthony Richardson. So I would be shocked if the Titans didn't pick him here and he was available. All that being said, I am looking at the offensive line, which is absolutely terrible. Um, I mean, it's almost unrecognizable at this point from the line that we've known in previous seasons. Uh, Taylor Luan is gone. Um, it's been a, a few seasons, but uh, Conklin's gone at right tackle. Like, it's one of those ben things Jones where... Yep, Ben Jones is gone as well, the center. So it's like, you got to start rebuilding as well. Um, and if they are, and I'd, I'd take Mike Vrabel as the type of coach who is looking to win right now. Like, he's not interested in tanking or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I can definitely see them trying to go for somebody like Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright. But I think the appeal of Anthony Richardson is just too much to pass up for him at this point. So that's who I'm going to give to him. Although it does kind of signal we're giving up on Malik Willis type of vibes. But I think he's he's worth the risk at this point. I agree about Vrabel being the win now type. I, For what it's worth the extent to which I agree with you is I also had Anthony Richardson going 11. Uh, hooray. I was really excited when it lined up like that. Uh, the reality of the situation when it comes to win now is that only one team can. So if we just kind of accept like, okay, if we had gone for broke and didn't end up winning, then we could have just lived to regret not picking Anthony Richardson. Does that make sense? Like the upside kind of outweighs it in that sense. Richardson sets you up for the first, like the next 10 to 15 years. If it works out, uh, taking an O line might be a little safer for this year, but may not have the same upside down the road. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, outside of top 10, go for it. Uh, at 12, you know, it's important for, uh, helping a quarterback develop in a new NFL team continuity. Now this is the first pick of this, uh, of this draft where we have a team making their second selection. Uh, Texans took CJ Stroud at number two. And at 12, they have an opportunity to give CJ Stroud continuity by taking his receiver from Ohio state, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now you already talked about him. Now, when you mentioned Jamar Chase, I agreed because I'm looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba as the type of receiver that could lead the league in receptions uh, within his first three, four years. Like, this dude is electric, not not to mention the rack yards that can come out of it. Uh, his 40 time isn't the best, but it's not, like, his game isn't that he has explosive breakaway speed. 
so much as his agility, his uh, his cuts, those are where the electricity comes from. Uh, turning five yard plays into fifteen instead of like, oh, he's just gone on a fly route. Uh, pairing C.J. Stroud with that type of receiver that he already knows, that he already has chemistry with. Um, if I'm the Texans, it's not so much that I need to get a receiver at twelve, as much as it is. I have the opportunity to give CJ Stroud a receiver that he already knows. I have to do that. Yeah, I think that's one of my, if not my favorite fit so far. Um, The Texans desperately need a top receiver, especially Brandon Cooks wants out. Um, You're drafting CJ Stroud. You need to give him somebody to throw to. They set records together at Ohio State, so that makes all the sense in the world. I'm glad it worked out like that because I think that's that's the right pick for the Texans at 12. So now I'm drafting for the Jets at 13, and we're still waiting on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, saga, whatever you want to call it, with the Packers. As of today, that still hasn't happened. So who knows what this all could look like, but as of now, I think the Jets still need to find a new right tackle, Um, and luckily for them, there are a couple of really good options here. We've got Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, and Darnell Wright, who I think could all do a job at right tackle. Now, Darnell Wright is a natural right tackle. That's what he's played at Tennessee. He's more of a run blocker. Um, Paris Johnson has played on different types of... um, He's played pretty much everywhere on the offensive line for Ohio State. And Broderick Jones started at left tackle for Georgia last season. I think he could move over to to right tackle as well. So it really depends on who they think fits best with their offense. Um, I don't... I think the Jets, especially with their quarterback situation. If they have Aaron Rodgers, then maybe they try to go for somebody like Paris Johnson to put over there or Broderick Jones, who's more of a pass blocker. But if they, if for whatever reason that ends up falling through, like I really liked what I saw out of Brees Hall last year. Maybe they say, you know what? We're going to get a big old boy there at right tackle to open up these running lanes and it's not like he's a bad pass protector either. I think he's got a, a whole lot of upside and a lot of room to grow. Um, that maybe they they go that route. I think probably the safest choice is Paris Johnson Jr. Because, like I said, he he does have that versatility. He can play anywhere along the offensive line. Um, and assuming that this trade does end up happening and Aaron Rodgers stops being a drama queen and just goes ahead and does it, um, I think I'm going to give them Paris Johnson. Okay, so... I'm going to keep this pretty short because for the Patriots at 14, I was also kind of between, well, Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright. You already listed the uh, positives to Darnell Wright. Um, Very, very good season at Tennessee here. Uh, New England has an opportunity to really bulk up that right side of their offensive line. Darnell Wright does have potential to move around a little bit uh he's not the type of guy that's going to play all five positions don't get me wrong but 
this is a guy that you could plug in, protect A, Mac Jones from the right side, but B, provide run support for Ramondre Stevenson or whoever else ends up running the ball in that Patriots offense. And at this point, it's almost a matter of best available to me, at least positionally. So with Paris Johnson off the board, uh, yeah, I'll just take Darnell right here at, uh, at 14. So that brings us to the Green Bay Packers at 15. And this is the first team, I think, where I'm a little torn on where I want to go. I could see them going any number of directions. Obviously, we just talked about the Jets at 13 with Aaron Rodgers, potentially that trade happening. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen and when things are going to happen. All I know is for right now, Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer. Um, and I'm looking at the Packers and I'm I'm seeing potentially three different areas that could go. I'm looking at offensive line, defensive line, and tight end. And I think Broderick Jones is the best tackle left available. And also, I think there's a big drop-off after him. So he could potentially fill in at right tackle. And we know Bakhtiari has had some injuries with the past couple seasons. So he could also fill in at left tackle as well in case that happens again. So that's helping out either Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, depending on what happens there. Miles Murphy is still on the on the board. He's a good defensive end prospect, and the Packers love loading up at, de- at defensive line, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went with somebody like that. And then Michael Mayer is the most complete tight end prospect in the draft. Uh, he would fit in right as their number one tight end immediately able to block, able to run down, catch passes uh, on seam routes and um, provide a security blanket of sorts for Jordan Love uh, or Aaron Rodgers, depending on what happens. So I can see them going any number of directions here. And the Packers are one of those teams. You never really know exactly what they're going to do in the first round, except for, you know, not draft a receiver. Um, So, I'm going to go with Broderick Jones here on this one. I think offensive line makes the most sense. And after this run on tackles, I think they're going to complete that run for a little while and go ahead and and get Broderick Jones to solidify their offensive line. I definitely like that pick. The only thing I would like more for the Packers is for them to draft a receiver now that Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. Just like middle finger on the way out, like, oh, you know that receiver in the first round you've always wanted, and we've been like, no, well, here's Quentin Johnston, or you know, but uh, in terms of uh, best fit, yeah, I I love that pick. Uh, it also frees me up as the GM of the Washington Commanders to pick a guy that I want so badly to fall to Pittsburgh but I'm not going to pass on him just to make it happen. If the, if Joey Porter jr is sitting there at 16 and you're the Washington commanders, you've got to take him. You've got to, your secondary is atrocious. It's like, it's like Swiss cheese. If Swiss cheese had more holes than cheese, like it, it has to be addressed. It is the biggest need. Joey Porter jr. Is not only the best, corner available he's on my big board is the best player available uh position aside uh do you want uh 
a corner that can play press, that can stick with your with his receiver downfield and can body you at the line uh, with run support. You got Joey Porter. Boom. There you go. I don't think he's quite as good as Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon, but that's not a huge, huge drop-off between those two and him. Uh, in a lot of other drafts, he would be the best corner in the draft. It it just so happens he's behind two just slightly better ones. But if you're the commanders, you got to grab him here. That's unfortunate. <laughs> because I really wanted Joey Porter Jr. to go to the Steelers as well. And I can't make that happen. However, I do think that there are a lot of corners that are first round talents. And the next guy I'm looking at is Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Now, I will say this dude is 6'1", 166. And that's not a typo. I don't know if there are any, maybe Robbie Anderson, sorry, Chosen Robbie Anderson, which is his new name, if you didn't know that already. He literally changed his name, his first name to Chosen. So there's that. Maybe he's up there or down there, depending on how you want to look at it. But like, I don't know if there are any really any other non-kickers or punters that weigh that little. However, he plays a lot bigger than uh, he weighs he also ran a four three five forty. He, I mean, he had uh, six interceptions last year. He's one of those guys, and you know the Steelers love their playmakers on the ball. And if you take this guy, you put him, you pair him with Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end, and you've got two big time playmakers right away. So, Joey Porter Jr. would have been nice. I would have liked that. Um, but I think Emmanuel Forbes is not a bad consolation prize. Certainly not a bad consolation prize. I think he, Emmanuel Forbes does extremely well making plays on the ball. Uh, he's one of the better corners here in that respect. Um, perhaps even better than the others that we've already drafted in that specific area. Is he as well-rounded? No, but in terms of a playmaker ball in the air, I really like Emmanuel Forbes. So, yeah. I'm a fan of that pick. All right, so at 18, we have the Lions. And this is my second time on this episode making another pick for a team that I've already picked for. At six, we got Tyree Wilson at uh, edge rusher from Texas Tech. And while I would love to see the Lions get a tight end here to replace TJ Hawkinson, and frankly, between Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, whether you want a more well-rounded three-down type of tight end in Michael Mayer or more of a vertical threat in Dalton Kincaid. I don't think either of those would be bad picks for the Lions. But if you go back to what I was saying about building up your pass rush to facilitate success for your secondary, it seems the natural progression then to get a, member, a new member of their secondary here. And I'm going to go with another corner to follow this uh, this run, make it three corners in a row. This is a player that I feel like I'm a little higher on than a few other people. It's, it's not who you think. You think it's DJ Turner? It is not DJ Turner. 
It's Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I love Deontay Banks as a, a shutdown corner with a ton of potential in those uh those one-on-one matchups. Now he he did a lot of zone in Maryland or at Maryland. But this is the type of guy that I can see as like one of the future like I'm this isn't the best best comp but like growing into a Stefan Gilmore type of corner. Um I I think Deontay Banks has that type of potential and I would love to see the Lions take a swing on him at 18 because they've you know in our mock draft solidified or done work to solidify that that pass rush. Uh he'll be in better position to succeed because that pass rush is now even more existent. Yeah, I think Deontay Banks is probably the last of the round one corners in my mind. There are a couple other guys, including DJ Turner, who I feel like could potentially sneak into the first round. We'll have to see. But that means at number 19, well, first of all, I have a team that's already set at corner with Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. Um, with That's obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we've been talking about Miles Murphy a decent amount. I see him as an option here to play next to Vita Vea at defensive end. However, I'm also looking at the Buccaneers and I'm looking at their running back death chart. And right now they got Rashad White, who has shown flashes for sure, uh, but he's not necessarily looking like a game-breaking talent or anything. Leonard Fournette's gone, and Bijan Robinson is still here. Now, there's a lot of there are a lot of people out there who'd be surprised that Robinson hasn't been picked up yet. And there are a lot of people out there who would say running backs shouldn't be drafted in the first round. I am more of the second type of person. Um, I think that the value that you get from a corner or from a defensive lineman, a quarterback receiver, these um, these types of value and like high level positions. However, when you when you've got a guy like Robinson who profiles as a potential Pro Bowl, if not on a Hall of Fame track type of prospect, uh, which really is what you kind of need him to be if you draft him in the first round but just based on value alone and if you draft him in the first round he's going to be one of the top paid running backs in the nfl just because of that so you have to really believe in him so i definitely considered it but i'm not going to go that route i might pick up robinson later if you don't uh to a couple of teams that i'm looking at but for now i think miles murphy makes more sense as uh, fitting a need and also it's still a good value here at ni- at 19 and Robinson continues his potential slide down the board a little bit for us but it's just hard to overlook the positional value I agree 
Bijan Robinson is insane. It's tough to be a running back these days, though. And Miles Murphy has has fallen enough, I think. It was is getting to be that time that like he couldn't keep falling. Okay. At twenty we have the Seahawks. <laughs> I guess it's just a thing that if a team has multiple picks in the first round, I'm at the very least gonna get the second of them. Uh I'm picking for I'm taking the Seahawks second pick. Now earlier at five you had them getting Jalen Carter. Let's uh let's go for something a little safer. At uh at 20, but something that's going to be extremely useful for Geno Smith. That's a tight end. Uh, talked about the two top tight ends in my mind earlier. And so whether it's Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer, personal preference, but for my money, I would go Michael Mayer here. Uh, add a little bit to that uh, to that blocking scheme. Which was um, which has been let's say inconsistent the past few years, uh, and with uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you, the need isn't quite as pressing for a glorified receiver so much as a three-down tight end that can help in the run game as well. So, the Seahawks will go offense here towards the back half of the second or towards the back half of the first round, and go with Michael Mayer. Uh, tight end out of Notre Dame. And so ends the prolonged reign of extremely random white guys playing tight end for the Seahawks randomly getting involved in like going off for like 80 yards in one game, never really to be heard from again. I don't know if I'm the only one who's noticed that trend, but the Seahawks always seem to have at least one or two white dudes at tight end who no one has ever heard of and they come in and they're actually able to produce randomly. Um, Michael Mayer is better than any of those guys. <laughs> so I think <laughs> it makes sense for, for him to go ahead and go to Seattle. But yeah, it's a, that's an interesting fit. I hadn't thought about that one, but I think I do think it makes sense. Now, moving on to the chargers at 21, I've got three names here, and they all fulfill different purposes. Um, number one, Nolan Smith is still on the board, uh, outside linebacker from Georgia, who had a torn peck this year. He is a dynamic athlete. People rave about his leadership ability as well, and he can get after the quarterback. So that's definitely an option uh, to pair with Joey Bosa on that defensive line. Their run defense still wasn't that good last year, even after they tried to solidify that in free agency. So Brian Brezzi is one of those, is one of the best defensive tackles available, especially a guy who can help in the run game as well as rushing the quarterback. So they could potentially go for him to put next to Sebastian Joseph Day. And then also this one I think would be a reach, but does fill a need Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee very raw receiver prospect uh, wasn't really asked to run many different kinds of routes at Tennessee but one route that he got really good at 
was running in a straight line <laughs> as fast as he could and catching bombs from hidden from Hendon Hooker. And he caught a lot of them. Um, he was arguably the best deep ball threat in the country. And I think that's what the Chargers need on offense is a guy who can stretch the field. And sorry, Jalen Guyton, you're not that guy. They need someone who's a little more consistent, um, who they can put out there with Mike Williams, who's more of the big red zone threat. Keenan Allen, who moves the chains underneath. Jalen Hyatt, who blows the top off the defense. It makes a lot of sense. It might just be a little too high, though. I think Nolan Smith has to end up going to the Chargers here. I think the value here is too hard to ignore. Um, And you get to put him next to Joey Bosa and have him learn from one of the best pass rushers in the game. So I think Nolan Smith makes a lot of sense to the Chargers here at 21. As much as I would have loved to see the addition of a weapon like Jalen Hyatt, who can hit home runs on that, that one route he knows the streak. <laughs> uh, yeah. The value of Nolan Smith at 21 is too good to pass up on at 22. We have the Ravens. We don't know yet exactly how the Lamar Jackson thing is going to play out, but when I look at this team, I'm like, do y'all trust JK Dobbins? to be the running back going forward? Probably not. Bijan Robinson makes a lot of sense. 22, I feel like you're a little more justified getting a running back in the first round. You know, it's not like you're getting him at 10 or 12 or something. Um, And he is one of the better running back prospects we've seen in quite a while. Like, I think back to Saquon Barkley, like, to me, it's that level of, of hype in terms of coming out of college. You know what else the Ravens need? A corner. They need a corner bad. Uh, now, what we've taken several corners already. And we are looking at a Harbaugh coach here. This would be a fun time to go DJ Turner, wouldn't it? DJ Turner... <laughs> Has got wheels. Like we were talking about Jalen Hyatt. Uh DJ Turner ran a four two six uh at the at the combine. And it shows in game as well. My uh or the weakness to DJ Turner is he gets beat on a lot of uh balls where he's in position, he just can't come down with it. He was getting mossed like all season. Uh, and it wasn't even a matter of like, oh, well, yeah, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Whatever. It was like, we play Maryland, it happens. We uh, we play TCU. We can't trust him on uh, Quentin Johnson. You know, like, he's he's small and often plays like it. However, that's more or less where my complaints stop because he has good instincts. He has good closing speed. He has um, He has good IQ. He's very coachable. I it it might be a matter of matchups. It might be a matter of utilization to help capitalize on his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. I will remind that Michigan's scheme on defense is such that we rely on pass rush coming from the outside and then 
really depend on our corners playing lockdown man coverage on the outside, which by and large, DJ Turner was able to do. I'm going to go this route. I'm going to go DJ Turner at 22 to Baltimore. Uh, It might be a little high. Actually, it is high uh, because on my big board, I'm certainly not calling DJ Turner the 22nd best prospect. But the Ravens need a corner. And in my mind, DJ Turner might be the best one left. I think he very well might be. And it's one of those things when you run the 40 and the second digit is a two, (laughs) then all of a sudden you have a bunch of scouts and evaluators looking back at your tape and saying, wait a second, let's, let's look at this one more time and see, did we miss anything? Does he play this fast? So I think it's also potentially unlikely that that many corners are already selected by the time it gets to the Ravens. I think we just are both really big fans of this cornerback class in general. So yes, it makes sense that the Ravens might have to reach a little bit, but I do think it's for a good player. It would have been kind of fun if you went Robinson, but I definitely understand the uh, going ahead and, and going the corner route. To what you were saying, this has to be the best corner class that we've seen in a long time. It's I think it's very deep for sure. Um, yeah. There's not one guy who's a sauce gardener type. Um, but there aren't really too many sauce gardeners out there in the world anyway. So no, there aren't. But I think as in terms of depth, it's definitely one of the deepest positions in this draft class for sure. So I get to pick for the Minnesota Vikings, which is fun. The Vikings are my second team, and I'm a little sad. Not gonna lie, that Adam Thielen is now a Carolina Panther. That just does not seem right to me. That seems so wrong. As like when I see Thielen line up against the Falcons at receiver for the Panthers, it's going to just feel so weird and wrong. But it happened. And looking at the Vikings depth chart at receiver, they've got arguably the best receiver in all of football in Justin Jefferson. KJ Osborne has been a surprise and a decent option, you know, third, fourth option type for the Vikings. And then they have Jalen Rager and we don't need to, to keep being a dead horse here, but Jalen Rager's not the guy. All right. He's not your number two receiver. He's not your number three receiver. He's probably not your number four receiver. All right. So I'm looking at the Vikings and the Vikings have multiple, multiple needs here. I could see them potentially taking a swing on Hendon Hooker to replace Kirk Cousins. I could see them potentially going with uh, another corner. I think at this point, with the way that the board has fallen, they wouldn't necessarily go that route. Um, they they obviously always need more help on defense. Um, but I think receiver is is where we have to go here. And there are really three guys that I think that are left that are worth picking. Jordan Addison out of USC, Zay Flowers from Boston College, and Quinnen Johnston from TCU. Now, all three of these guys are different types of receivers. Um, Quinnen Johnston is your typical 
big-bodied receiver go up and get it, make plays after the catch, um, deep downfield, awesome player. Um, And we saw his talent time and time again for TCU this season in their run to uh, the college football playoff. Jordan Addison, former Bolitnikoff winner at Pitt, transferred to USC, didn't necessarily have the best numbers there, but still produced, still showed off his ability to get open, run silky smooth routes. I think he's definitely very pro ready. And then you also have Zay Flowers, who's undersized. He's 5'9", but his his suddenness and his burst is probably tops in terms of this receiver class, right up there with Smith and Jigba. Um, he's also the type of guy who, even though Boston College was has not been the best <laughs> uh, football program the past couple seasons, he stuck with them and still managed to produce, even though there was nobody else around him that could re- that defense has really cared about. It was nope. Let's try to stop Zay Flowers. It was the the entire uh, opponent's game plan, and they weren't able to do it. He was he can run pretty much any route, and he's pretty much he's successful in pretty much every single like underneath, short routes, slants, medium routes, and honestly, like they didn't utilize him enough on cro- crossing routes either or deep shots. Um, I think he's a guy who, when he has the ball in his hands, he's very electric, he's effective. And now let's look back at the Vikings and say, which one of these guys do we think that the Vikings could use? Do they need a big bodied receiver like Quentin Johnston to go up and throw the ball up to? Honestly, I think Justin Jefferson can kind of be that guy already. Um, He's not as big, but he can make contested catches. He's one of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. So I'm kind of ruling Johnston out. And then in terms of Addison or uh, Zay Flowers, I think Flowers is probably the more like explosive guy. Addison's the maybe has the safer hands um, possession receiver. I think you got to go upside here, and that's Zay Flowers for me. Um, I really like his upside and him being having him and Justin Jefferson at the same time. That could prove really difficult for opposing cornerbacks to stop even the Eagles um I think yeah I I think that the Vikings are going to go as a flowers on this one and as a Vikings fan I would be happy with that move to kind of replace Adam Thielen's production it is so weird that Adam Thielen's not going to be a Viking and and weird that he's going to be in the NFC South playing the Falcons like that's just wrong but Yes, I do like Zay Flowers. I think that's a good fit. Uh, speaking of good fits, I mentioned this player earlier, and I love now the idea of Brian Branch going to Jacksonville. Uh, this is... um, hmm, How do I put this? Brian Branch provides the Jaguars with a certain versatility that they could really use but even if you just uh standardize his role on that team he's going to give you fantastic value uh high iq player this is a player that found his way 
into the starting lineup in several games as a freshman in Nick Saban's defense. That doesn't exactly happen all too often. Uh, and his pr- his production has maintained since. Uh, good ball skills, phenomenal run support, uh, can step up into press coverage, uh, can sit into the, uh, can sit in the box or drop back. Like we haven't taken a safety yet. But there is no competition for best safety in this draft class. Uh, it's Brian Branch, and then for a while, there's nothing. Like, if you're the Jaguars, you take him, you lock it up, you don't look back. Yeah, safety is definitely potentially the most underwhelming position in this draft class. And Brian Branch is by far and away the top one. I think it makes sense for the Jags to go ahead and continue to work on that defense after they spent all that money in free agency on offense and they had a breakout year there. Now that brings me to number 25, the New York giants and the giants are one of those teams where they, they just signed Daniel Jones to that contract. They still have Saquon Barkley for now. They traded for Darren Waller in one of the more interesting moves of the off season. And then there are all the receivers. <laughs> and I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that has this many middling receivers. <laughs> I mean, Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, Wandale Robinson, and then Isaiah Hodgins randomly, who actually looked decent last season, but like, let's be real. I mean, <laughs> it's still Isaiah Hodgins, right? All these guys are like, they're fine. They're, they wouldn't be a bad number three option, but they're all on the same team. And I they're all, for the most part, the same kind of player. Either they're a deep threat or they excel underneath and try to create after the catch. They don't have anybody like Quentin Johnston on this team. They had a guy like in Kenny Galladay. They tried to, they tried to fill that role with Kenny Galladay with that really big contract. And what a freaking big mistake that was. Um, That guy could not separate from corners at all and ended up just not being being able to stay on the field for him and get snaps. I'm looking at Quentin Johnson. I'm thinking this is who you wish Kenny Galladay was uh, in terms of that big body receiver who can go up and get it where they don't really have a receiver like that right now. And I think receiver does need to be addressed, especially you put all that money into Daniel Jones, draft him a big weapon in Quentin Johnston. I love that sentence. This is what Kenny Gall or what they wished Kenny Galladay was. Yeah. Uh, great fit. I hope the giants go receiver as much as I, I love the idea of them getting that uh, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota to fill in at center, like capitalize on Danny dimes, uh, season from last year and give him a complimentary weapon uh, to throw to. Okay, at 26, we've got the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys. Let's just throw this pick away. Uh, wow. <laughs> there goes uh, half our audience. <laughs> bye. Uh, no, uh, come on back. Uh, I think it would be cool if, uh, I mean, I know that I have already drafted him. But if Michael Mayer would have fall to here so they could get like the second coming of Jason Witten, uh, I think that would be a, a dream come true for Cowboys fans. 
but you're talking about the Colts offensive line not being what it was a few years ago. Uh, the Cowboys offensive line has taken a step back specifically at that guard spot. And I think a good piece to fill in that hole uh, would be Osiris Torrance, uh, the guard out of Florida. Um, I think, I think he has a, a history of, of basketball uh, in his background that uh, explains his, uh, his footwork uh, really doesn't get caught like out of position in that regard, uh, which I think is important. Um, but nonetheless, like we talked about, or you talked about Peter Skaronsky, maybe they can film in at guard. Maybe they can film in at tackle. This is the, the top guy that's like designated. You are a guard. Uh, like maybe if they want to get like creative, they could try moving pieces around, but I don't know why you would, you know, just like, it's as simple as you need a guard. Here's a guard, put him in. Uh, I think tight end is probably a sexier pick here, but if you're the Cowboys and you're trying to be efficient with uh, your pick at 26, you go ahead and get Osiris Torrance. I like that. Have Zach Martin teach him the ropes and you're set for the next 10 years. Um, I was considering Torrance for the next pick, which is the Buffalo Bills. I think that they could use some more depth along the offensive line and Torrance was the best guard available. However, that just lets, lets me make a very fun pick. One that, let's be honest, is probably overdue and this will not happen in the actual draft. Let's stop the slide. Bijan Robinson, come on home to Buffalo. The, the, the last thing that the rest of the league needs is for the Bills to finally have a top-tier running back. And I'm not even talking about Josh Allen, who sometimes feels like he could be a top-tier running back with his mobility and his willingness to absorb hits. Uh, right now, it's Damian Harris is the top guy on the Bills' depth chart at, at running back. They also have James Cook. They trade for Naheem Hines, who's more of a returner for him. Bijan Robinson changes everything about that offense. Like right now, Josh Allen has been the their premier running threat for the past few years. And you add in Robinson to the mix, who can also catch the ball as well out of the backfield. That gives you another explosive weapon for Josh Allen to pair with Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, who came out of relative obscurity last year to uh, make a couple of big time plays. I think he has potential to break out a little bit this next season. And then Dawson Knox as well at tight end. Bijan Robinson kind of completes the, that skill position group and makes the Bills, if they weren't already, the scariest offense in football. And I, I would I think if Bijan Robinson goes to the Bills, you can even put that put them above the Chiefs in that regard. As soon as I said scariest offense in football, I was like, wait, but but the Chiefs. And I was like but Bijan Robinson on the Bills, though. <laughs> so I, I'm going to stick with that. I think if the Bills somehow did manage to land him, then that they would be the scariest offense. I agree. Uh, Bijan Robinson comes into the league as as one of the league's elite running backs, pretty much, or at least projects to.
So at 28, we've got the Bengals, and they could use some offensive line help. Uh, they could also use a tight end to replace Hayden Hurst and give Joe Burrow another weapon and take some eyes off of Jamar Chase. Now, the top tight end available is Dalton Kincaid. I would prefer a tight end that blocks a little bit better. Which leaves, to me, the next two tight ends on my board. You got Sam Laporta out of Iowa. And what you were saying about Zay Flowers, like, oh, he, I mean, Boston College was bad, and then Zay Flowers was the offense, pretty much, was Sam Laporta's story for Iowa. Which, by the way, like, we just have to talk about, Iowa's defense was, like, absurd uh, in a positive way. It's just so uh, sad for them how their offense was absurd in the opposite direction. It's like, if Sam Laporta's not catching this football, then we're not scoring it, basically. Uh, And Sam Laporta can block, certainly better than Kincaid, not as well as Darnell Washington from Georgia, who was overshadowed by Brock Bowers, but so was basically every tight end in the country, and Brock Bowers isn't even draft eligible yet. Like, if Brock Bowers were available, he would have been gone way before now. He It is far and away better than any tight end we have here. But Darnell Washington is effectively an extension of that offensive line. They can also make plays uh, as a pass catcher. And I think for the Bengals specifically, while I probably overall think a little more highly of Dalton, um, well, I guess Dalton Kincaid as well, but Sam Laporta, I think Darnell Washington fits the Bengals' need just a little more precisely because he is more effective than Laporta as a blocker, a bigger body, uh, more able to help uh, in run support in those block and release type of routes. So maybe a bit of a reach talent-wise, but at 28, I am going to go Darnell Washington, tight end out of Georgia. Okay, I like that pick. The Bengals shooting for upside with Darnell Washington. Like you said, he's a guy who can go ahead and just help you right now in the run game. He's a great blocker. I mean, a huge physical presence, imposing presence. And he has the potential to be a game breaker at tight end as well with his physical talents. And wasn't really able to show what he could do at Georgia utilize more as a blocker there than anything else. So that's definitely a high upside pick and could make the Bengals even scarier on offense, even with the weapons that they already have. Now I have to pick for the saints, which I had to do last year too. (laughs) Last year I did end up giving them Chris Olave. So maybe I need to really screw up and give them a terrible prospect. Like I joked about last time because Olave ended up being really, really good for him. Um, no, that's not in the spirit of the mock draft. Um, so the Saints are one of those teams where, kind of like the Packers, where I can envision them go going any number of directions. I don't think that they have one clear, glaring need. And so at that point, it makes me think best available. 
And there are a couple of pass rushers who we haven't really talked too much about. Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Will McDonald the fourth as well. And then Kalaja Kansi, defensive tackle from Pitt, who kind of fits that explosive pass rusher, like interior pass rusher that I was talking about earlier that is becoming more and more in favor with NFL teams. The Saints have gotten a lot older in a lot of different positions, and Cameron Jordan is a guy who is still able to produce at a high level, but is definitely getting older. Um, They don't have a whole lot of depth there at a defensive end or at pass rusher anymore. So I am looking at Will McDonald or Keon White. And hmm, I think I'm going to have to go with Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa State. He's a speed rusher um, who I think they can, even at just at first, put him in an obvious passing downs and let him just rush the passer. He's got a lot of good tools. He needs still a little bit of refining, but maybe kind of like a Marcus Davenport type that they took in the first round a few years ago. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and give the Saints Will McDonald the fourth, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they went any number of directions. I thought about Jameer Gibbs here as a Alvin Kamara potentially replacement. (laughs) Um, Also, I mean, we know that the Saints love these like pass-catching running backs, so I thought about him. Um, Dalton Kincaid is still on the board. We know the Saints love a good pass-catching tight end, but Will McDonald's a pick for the Saints at number 29. Okay. Um, I like that. I was also thinking about Jameer Gibbs at 30 for the Eagles. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go that route, fun as it would be. Just note that, you know, Jameer Gibbs, in our mind, that means he is like back of the first round, probably beginning of the second round type of talent. He is great. He's just overshadowed by Bijan Bichon Robinson. Um, for the Eagles, I am going to address their defensive line here. Um, also, another team that's picking for the second time, and I'm taking their second pick. first time around we got them Devon Witherspoon so I guess I'm doing the opposite of what I did with the Lions with the Lions I addressed the defensive line then went corner the Eagles were going corner now we're going to address defensive line and you mentioned Kalijah Kansi who I do like mm-hmm There's one other guy that I probably like a little bit more. And and we mentioned him earlier. Brian Brzee. Uh This guy on talent alone probably would go higher. The production isn't all the way there, but this dude's been through the ringer. Like, was it his like sister passed away? And then he had that like illness where it's like, it's like his kidney or something. Uh, I don't remember all the details about it. I just remember him being like really sick. Uh, I think he played through an injury as well, in addition to that illness. Uh, but this is a guy that, like, when he walked onto Clemson, like, freshman year, everyone was like, yeah, that's the best player on that team. 
Uh, fast forward a couple of years, he goes through all that, but we know what talent exists. Uh, we get him on the other side of that. May we live in an alternate universe where those things kind of out of his control don't happen. We're looking at him as a top 10 pick or something. Uh, now we're looking at drafting him at 30. That's upside. And I mentioned earlier, Eagles love a deal. Uh, we're going to go Brian Brzee here, edge out of Clemson. Yep, I think that fits exactly what the Eagles are trying to do. They love drafting defensive linemen and developing them. I think he fits in really well there. So that brings us to the final pick of this mock draft. Remember, the Dolphins don't have a first-round pick due to tampering violations. Yikes. Um, So the Chiefs at number 31, obviously the reigning Super Bowl champions. What do the Super Bowl champions need? Um, Well, they got Patrick Mahomes. So they're pretty much set. Um, (laughs) Anybody else here is just a luxury pick. And we want to keep Pat happy, right? We want to make sure that we're we're keeping the the face of our franchise, the face of the NFL happy. And what better way to do that than to give him another receiver? Now, Juju is not back for another season. Right now, their receiver room is looking a little light. Um, we've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore as the top three wideouts. And I think Tony has a lot of potential. I'm excited to see what he'll do next season. But let's be honest. We could upgrade that receiver room uh, and and have another option other than Travis Kelsey. Uh, maybe as like a number two option type of thing. And Jordan Addison is still available. So that's really tempting. I'm not going to lie. Jalen Hyatt is also available, and it would just be fun to just make Jalen Hyatt and Marquez Valdez-Scantling just run streaks <laughs> and and have Travis Kelsey do a, a curl route in the middle or just try to just find the soft spot um, and just do that. But they don't need Jalen Hyatt. They already have too many guys who are similar receivers. So I'm going to go with Jordan Addison. On this one, I think he's by far and away the best receiver available. And also, I can envision him really racking up receptions in Kansas City. Um, Another guy who is a very, very good route runner. So with him and Travis Kelsey, that's going to be really tough, especially in those intermediate areas of the field. I don't think Jordan Addison makes it this far in the actual draft necessarily, but here he does, and this is the perfect pick for the Chiefs to retool after losing Tyreek Hill, losing Juju, um, give Patrick Mahomes another weapon to work with so they can retool and head for what looks like it could be another championship-type level season from them next year. Absolutely love that. Um yeah, you you have to have at least one other option besides Kelsey, right? But yeah, uh, Jordan Addison, a receiver who's proven he's uh, capable of product- producing at a high level. Like you said earlier, uh, won the Bolitnikov Award. Uh, and I'm sure he would be psyched. Like He's probably going through the draft like, damn, have I really not been drafted? Wait, so you're telling me I could 
play with Mahomes, though. Well, all I was going to say is that he transferred to USC to get to play with Caleb Williams. <laughs> then he gets drafted by the Chiefs in this scenario and gets to play with Mahomes. I'm like, dang, this must be nice for this guy. True. Well, and, uh, and Kenny Pickett is not no slouch either. <laughs> so, yeah. this man just had great quarterbacks. Wait. Is he just a product of the quarterback play? No, I think he's. I think he's still good. But <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> well, okay, we've uh, made it to the end. Then, um, I guess like all that's left to do, uh, Dave. Are there any? I mean, obviously there are good players that were not drafted. We mentioned a few of them. Are there any guys that you have in mind that we just? Forget didn't draft, but just didn't mention that you're like, you want to clear the air. Hey, we didn't forget that this player exists. This player is good. You just didn't get drafted in our mock. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hendon Hooker go towards the back of the first round. I, I mentioned him briefly when I was talking about the Vikings. I could see him getting picked up. I mean, before he tore his ACL, he was absolutely tearing all the teams that he faced apart. Uh, very, very impressive. And sure, the Tennessee, you can talk about the Tennessee offense and how that scheme is set up for quarterbacks to succeed and all that kind of stuff. He was still making all the throws that he needed to. So that is one guy that I wouldn't be surprised to go first round. Dalton Kincaid ended up slipping out of the first round as well. I could anticipate him going. Kalijah Kansi that I mentioned, I could see him going first round too. Uh, I think those are the main ones that I had in mind. Um, I mentioned Keon White. I like his potential. Um, you picked Darnell Washington. I will say, um, Adetomiwa Adabaware, apologies if I butchered that, um, defensive tackle out of Northwestern, one of the most impressive combine performances we've ever seen out of a guy, out of a def- defensive lineman, especially. He's definitely a tweener and a project, but those types of athletes, even in the NFL, are rare. So I'm intrigued to see where he ends up going and what team ends up drafting him and if they're able to turn him into anything resembling a finished product because he has all the tools necessary to be a star. I'm glad you said him. I had I had him in mind, but didn't want to have to try to pronounce his name. I, I tried, y'all. Left. I did. Yeah. Um, there were, uh, you know, other players that we mentioned: Jameer Gibbs, uh, Sam Laporta. A uh, w- couple guys that didn't get mentioned: Anton Harrison, uh, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. If we see a run on offensive linemen, then he's another. Uh, candidate to get snatched up. Uh, he's probably the the next best that, uh, or he's probably best available at this point that we didn't draft. Um, I mentioned John Michael Schmitz, the best pure center in the draft. Um, I did mention how good Iowa's defense is, so let me give shine to Jack Campbell, uh, their linebacker that's been the captain of that defense for the past couple of seasons. Um, he and uh, Trenton Simpson from Clemson 
probably the best two of the better uh, linebackers here. Uh, this just happens to be a draft where like linebacker isn't exactly the biggest need for a lot of these teams. So the cards didn't fall that way this time, but uh, he is a good prospect uh, to look at like probably mid second round, but still good. Um, and if you're a, if you're a Georgia fan and you're like, uh, you mentioned a lot of corners and you never talked about Keely Ringo. Uh, he's good. I promise. He's probably next best. It depends on like where you stand between him and Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. But <laughs> sorry, I'm bringing that up. Uh, let me just throw corners at you from two teams you don't like. But I mean, I don't like Georgia either or Miami. Hey, there you go. Um, but those two are going to be the next up. I mean, heck, Kiwi Ringo might might jump a few of the guys that we already drafted. Uh, certainly DJ Turner, if uh, teams aren't enticed enough by his speed. But those are some guys to look out for as well. I do want to make one thing clear. It's not that I dislike Georgia. It's just it. there were a lot of years where I did, and so it's hard to shed those layers. Uh, but I am married now to a UGA grad, and... Uh, a lot of our friends are UGA fans, but not like obnoxious, annoying ones. So, of which there are many. I, I, that is certainly true. So it's one of those things where, like, I'm not. I don't want people to think that I'm like a Georgia hater or anything because I'm not. But Miami, yes, I do. I do hate them. <laughs> so <laughs> we're very clear on that one. But yeah, I mean, that's our first round mock draft um, and also some extra players that we didn't mention as well, who could potentially be candidates to go in the first round too. So let us know what you think about our mock draft. Are there any sleepers that you're interested in? Any uh, fits that we like between players and teams that you liked that we put together? Let us know. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Mike and Dave Pod. We'd love to hear your feedback. We will post our full mock draft as well on social media so you can kind of see it all laid out. Because I know just listening to it, we talked about a lot of players and a lot of teams. So uh, make sure to follow our socials to be able to see that. Any questions or comments or anything that you have before the draft that we can answer, address, push back on, whatever the case may be, yeah, reach out to us before the draft. Uh, that way we can interact with you and whether it's clear it up, uh, give you answers you're looking for or answers you're not looking for, uh, we'd be happy to do that even if it's not in this exact setting. You know, uh, The Facebook comment section is a wonderful tool. Two episodes from now will be episode 55, which means we'll be doing a new edition of Top 5. Let us know if there's a topic that you'd like to hear us address for that. Uh, you know, Top 5 this or that or whatever. Uh, let us know and we'd be happy to at least consider like, oh yeah, we could do we could do a Top 5 on that. Always happy to hear ideas for those segments so that we can sort of engage that way as well. For sure. So 
we're really excited for the actual NFL draft here coming up in about a week or so. So hopefully this mock draft was a good primer for that and uh, you got something out of it. And as always, we appreciate you listening. For sure. Uh, We appreciate it so much and we will be back in a few weeks with episode 54. But until then, this has been Mike. This has been Dave and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave podcast. Podcast.